This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Chelsea, how are you on this Wednesday? Good morning. One day closer to the big game. Have you locked down your bets yet? Because I'm starting to make like my weekly radio appearances and I've got to decide. I think that's the hardest part is it's almost like icing the kicker. We have an extra week to sit Mm. and marinate in our thoughts. And I feel like it's, you know, putting me in a mental pretzel. Is it? I, you all, yeah, I kind of me too. Not with the lesser bets. Like, honest to God, I don't know what I'm going to do for a side. We've been talking about this for two freaking weeks and like I said yesterday, one day it's Chiefs, one day it's Niners, the next day, ah, can the Raiders get in? Like, I'm just all over the place. I have no idea what's going on right now. I know the prop bets I like. We're going to talk rushing props later in the show, and we talked receiving props yesterday. I've got some fun exotic bets I'll put in, like on the coin toss, on the national anthem. But as far as the actual game side, that's that's where I'm in a mental pretzel, where I, honest to God, I just cannot figure it out. I think I'm going to go Chiefs, even though I've been all over the Chiefs this week and try to make the side or the case for the Niners. But Chelsea, I don't know. So I'm with you. Yeah, I don't even know about my prop bets because I have good reads, but there is a difference between, okay, these are the bets that I like for rushing, mm-hmm. for receiving, for whatever, and the official plays. You know, the official ones that I want to go down next to my name. So with uh, over a thousand prop bets to choose from, it doesn't make it easier because there are so many options. Betting on the Super Bowl, you can bet it so many different ways. It's like scrolling through Netflix paralysis because there's too many options. Well, I can't I can't wait to talk to John Ewing from BetMGM because I I, I love knowing about process and particularly when you're talking about, okay, we know that there's going to be just countless bets. If you can dream it, you can bet it at MGM. But I think going through and finding out how much time do you guys spend and how in the world do you come up with numbers for what color Taylor Swift is going to wear or when her plane is going to arrive or how long the national anthem may or may not be. Or, you know, you can just go on and on and on with some of these more exotic bets. And they're accustomed, of course, to having an algorithm telling them, about, okay, what the numbers might be here. But whatever the exotic bets are, I'm curious about how they get there. So I can't wait to talk about that. We've got plenty of time to do that. Before we do so, Chelsea, let's talk best bets. And I loved your bet last night. Man, when you miss, you just barely miss. Yeah, uh, mentally have not been in a great state lately. I have missed my last three college ba- uh, basketball bets by a combined Three and a half points. That is three bets by three and a half points total. So I'm hoping that the luck goes my way occasionally uh, and eventually, but trying to pull myself out of the dumps this morning. Not going to lie. Ah, it's going to happen. I got a good feeling. It's Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. It's got to happen, Chelsea. I went one and one last night. I had Jets pins under six. Man, those unders keep coming home. Pins win three nothing, but had the Bruins on the three-way money line against the Flames, and the Flames went outright. I saw a lot of Calgary money yesterday because the Flames were plus 170 on the money line. I couldn't do it. I like the Bees at home. They were great at home, but didn't win yesterday again. Flames went 4-1, so that was a loss. The donk break up the donkster. He is in right now. He is in the darkness. He is in his closet. And you know what? It is working out for him. An absolute heater. 
San Diego State at Air Force under 133 and a half. San Diego State wins 77-64. That's 131, so a dub there. And then Magic Heat over 212 and a half. The Heat win 121.95. That is 216 points. So for the week, Chelsea, you are 0-2. I'm 2-1. The Donkster is 2-0-1. Oh, thank you, Double D. The Donkster is on a run in his last 12, 10, 1, and one. What in the world? Woo. All right, let's talk about NBA Tuesday, what we saw in the hardwood last night. And we're going to start in Phoenix where the Suns beat the Bucks 114-106. The Suns laying six points. The Suns minus 235 on the money line. The total set at 242. The under hits. The Phoenix Big Three coming to play in this one. Devin Booker, 32 points. KD, 28 and 10. Bradley Beal adds 25 points and 10 rebounds as well. Now, the Bucks did play without Damian Lillard. And Brooke Lopez and then Chris Middleton left the game for the Bucs in the first quarter with a sprained ankle. However, Phoenix is now 11-3 in their last 14, while it looks like the Bucs now 1-4 under Doc Rivers. So Phoenix streaking, the Bucs still trying to figure out what they're doing under Doc. Ooh, and it's not looking great for the recent stretch with some of these injuries that appear to be, you know, flying up on the injury report with Chris Middleton. Uh, I feel like I saw something with Damian Lillard. Obviously he was out for that game. So I don't know if it gets better for Doc Rivers. You know, you like to say, well, it gets better. I don't know. This is a great team. They're still, you know, pretty much cruising when it comes to their overall record, 33 and 18. So that's the thing. At least they had a little wiggle room before hitting this kind of rough patch to where, you know, each game doesn't mean that much as opposed to some teams that are like hovering around 500, say like the Lakers. Meanwhile, Phoenix continues to roll. But from a betting standpoint, the angle here was looking at both sides and the superstars mm-hmm. because the Phoenix Suns were one of the teams uh, from a fantasy perspective who are not good at defending power forwards and centers. So it kind of was written in the stars that Giannis would score a lot of points in this one. However, you had to sweat it. I believe his points prop was 32 and a half. That's why I didn't take it. Felt kind of mm-hmm. high, but of course he gets it. Finishes with 34 points. And then on the flip side, the Bucs have been really bad at defending shooting guards uh, and point guards as well. A lot of that having to do with Damian Lillard and some of his shoddy defense early on. And you look at the stats in this one, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, kind of their guards here, 25 and 28 points. And Devin Booker, the point guard, or excuse me, uh, don't know who was playing point in this one, but usually it's Devin Booker, 32 points. That's what the the prop, you know, analysis was saying going into that yeah. one. And all of them came true. And I'm kicking myself for not playing any of them. Yeah. I mean, it certainly looked that way based on the defensive matchups you were talking about. I just want to see what the Bucks can do in their full strength. I understand they look bad with Doc at the helm with only one win in their last five, but it's really hard to judge when game to game your superstars are out of the lineup. I don't know if he's played with a full deck yet in Milwaukee. So we'll give him a little leash there until that happens. In Chicago, the Bulls stun the T-Wolves, Chelsea, 129-123 in overtime. The Bulls getting five and a half points. Bulls plus 175. Total set at 216. The over hits. Kobe White, DeMar DeRozan, each with 33. Nikola Vucevic scores 16 and a big night for Andre Drummond. 16 points, 16 boards as Chicago down 23 points at one point in this game, rallying all the way back to get the win in Chicago. And I would have been on the wrong side here. I would have been on Minnesota, but the Bulls showing some fight. 
it feels like the Bulls are one of those teams that are capable of a good performance against like some of the best teams in the NBA, like occasionally. Like I remember this last year. It feels like you can't necessarily count them out. But the other storyline here, what a nice surprise Kobe White has been uh, for the Bulls in the meantime with Zach Levine out of the lineup. 33 points in this one, as you said. If you look at his last three games, 35, 26, and 33 points. Obviously, that game going to overtime, so maybe that skews the numbers just a bit. He had 42 minutes, but still a nice stretch for Kobe White. Yeah, he's been great filling in and coming into his own after coming out of North Carolina. Obviously, one of the guys they drafted for a reason, and he's been really, really good. Anthony Edwards does lead the T-Wolves with 38 points and 12 rebounds. Cat with 33 in a loss for Minnesota. Let's head to Salt Lake City. The Jazz down the Thunder, 124-117. The Jazz getting three points. The Jazz plus 120, total set at 237. The over hits, I believe, if memory serves, Utah is the best covering team in the NBA when playing at home. They do it again last night as dogs. Lori Markin, 33 points, 11 boards. John Collins, 22 points. And then Keontae George comes off the bench to score 16 points. The Jazz just dominate down low. That was the real story of this game. The Thunder, in the paint after halftime, score only eight points. So this was the Jazz being physical, which you wouldn't normally expect necessarily with a guy like Chet Holmgren, who I know can play outside as well. But the Jazz, once again, get it done on the home court. Yeah, and this has kind of been a weakness of Oklahoma City all season long. If you look at them going against opposing centers, they're giving up the fourth most rebounds. So if there is a weakness for Oklahoma City, it appears to be against you know really good big men or just you know centers in general, which one would think that if that is your weakness, that you would struggle against the Denver Nuggets. Because clearly, if you are looking to the postseason, you are thinking, okay, if we're getting out of the West, we're going to have to handle the reigning champs, the Denver Nuggets. But so far this season, Oklahoma City has matched up really well against them. We will see if that's the case in the postseason. But I know a lot of people are really interested in buying into Oklahoma City, but they do have their weaknesses, and they're still a relatively young team. Well, let me ask you this based on those weaknesses, because we've talked about NBA futures before where the Thunder look, they're enticing just because of the value involved. So based on the weaknesses you're talking about where they can be out rebounded, they can be out physical in the paint. And that's that's an area that they need to work on. Would that make you shy away from a Thunder ticket? No, I think the value is still there because yeah. if the number is long enough, you have to overlook some warts. Like that's always the case. There is a reason they're not the favorites. But again, you are getting a much larger return on your investment. Well, the Jazz, speaking of an investment, 20 and one this season when leading after the fourth quarter. If they jump on top of you early, they are almost always good for the win. How about we go to college basketball before we had to break here and a big upset in the top 25. We previewed this game yesterday, Chelsea, in Chapel Hill. Oh, this has to make you happy. Clemson beats number three, North Carolina, 80 to 76. The Tigers were getting six and a half points. Tigers plus 250 on the money line at BetMGM. Total set at 154 and a hook the overhits. PJ Hall, 25 points, including a go-ahead shot with just over three minutes to play. Joseph Gerard III with 21 points. And Clemson, which at one point led by 16 points in this game, hold on to get their second ever win in Chapel Hill. We were talking yesterday about, all right, whether or not 
North Carolina was due for a letdown after that huge win against arch rival Duke over the weekend. And that is exactly what we saw last night. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will credit this to UNC maybe uh, looking past Clemson a little bit, especially Mm -hmm. coming into a letdown spot, coming off that game against Duke. But Clemson's a solid team. You look at their offense, it's top 30. So I feel like this is more Clemson winning it as opposed to North Carolina losing it. Some credit must be given to the Tigers in this position. And if you were following this game and you were on the over, what a sweat. I'm pretty sure they hit a three with like a few seconds left to play to hit the, the over in this game. What a sweat, and congratulations if you were on the over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I almost bet the over on this game based on the metrics, but I want to stay 1-0 and in college basketball, so we'll see if I actually make another bet. I found it funny, too, that Armando Baycott, who was great in this game, 24 points and 13 rebounds, and then what did he say after the Duke game? The ACC runs through me, and then the very next game, you lose in Chapel Hill. You can't lose after saying that immediately to Clemson at home after saying that to Duke. I would have just taken the win and said, well, we've got more work to do. But he was great. Unfortunately, the heels were really knocking down on this one, Chelsea, was their shooting. I mean, they shot as a team less than 37% from the field. So anytime you do that as a squad, you're going to struggle to win games. Well, and it was a far cry from how well they shot against Duke. Yeah. Because, you know, they were just knocking down threes in that game. Uh, Harrison Ingram, I believe, was on fire from beyond the arc uh, when playing against Duke, and that's not going to be every game. So I don't think I, you know, pointed this game and say, oh, man, what a bad loss for North Carolina. Again, Clemson's a good squad. There are some good teams in the ACC, as always. So, yes, it sucks losing at home as six-and-a-half-point favorites. But still, I think this is a case of Clemson maybe not getting enough credit in the market. I think you're right about that. And also Carolina, because they played so well this season, bit of a cushion at the top of the conference. So they are still in the conference lead despite that disappointing loss last night. And even Clemson's head coach told those guys before the game, we're the better team here. We can beat these guys. I don't know if that's true, but they certainly got the dub last night. Coming up next here on the show, Kyle Shanahan looks for redemption on Sunday. But will he get it? We're going to discuss some of the biggest storylines going into Super Bowl 58. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Great to have you with us on a Wednesday. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Coming up here on the show, what would another Super Bowl ring do for the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. Chelsea, we were discussing this yesterday during my commander's podcast, and it's the idea that maybe, and I want to get your opinion, see what you think, that the phrase goat is thrown out too much. Are we overusing this phrase where, oh, this person's the goat, this person's the goat? Because the goat, what's funny is, and this is because I'm old, when you used to be called the goat, that was not a good thing. It used to be mm-hmm. the hero, and if you're the goat, nobody wanted to be the goat. It was like, oh, 
you're the people that or you're the person everyone's blaming for the loss. Well, now GOAT is now an acronym for greatest of all time. But I feel like I hear this person is the GOAT, this person is the GOAT on a regular basis to the point where the actual phrase greatest of all time, the GOAT has been watered down. Or am I being an old man here? No, you're spot on. They say this all the time about like celebrities or musicians. Um, I think my most recent example was I was trying to catch up on what happened at the Grammys because I didn't watch it. I was watching sports. Um, And I watched Miley Cyrus's performance. It was really good. She did amazing. But some of the comments were like, go, she's the best ever. Okay, let's pump the brakes. (laughs) I feel like the goat is a phrase that is reserved for like very few people. You can put it on Michael Jordan. You can put it on Tom Brady. Uh, Patrick Mahomes may be entering the territory. But again, isn't there only one goat in each category of whatever field you're talking about? Like there can't yeah, be two goats, right? Right. I think I think right. I think you can have like a goat of an era, particularly in sports, because games the game changes so much, like basketball, what it is now compared to 20, 30 years ago is just a completely different sport. Same thing with football, right? But at the same time, I, I think the point you're making is the one I'm trying to make is at the end of the day. Not everyone, every time they do something, is the GOAT, you know? Like, I I love Miley Cyrus. I think she's mega talented. And I saw that performance, and she is great. But I don't know as much of a fan as I am as I would put her in GOAT category. Like, to me, it's Aretha Franklin and Celine Dion and Diana Ross and Miley Cyrus. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not in for a debate on who is the greatest female artist of all time. But GOAT status, just because you performed as you should or as expected at the Grammys doesn't mean all of a sudden you're the greatest of all time. Well, and just by definition, of all time. It doesn't right. mean of their era. It means of all time. That means even in Jesus's days, before Christ. So I think people are so narrow-minded and they say, oh, well, you know, she's been really good the last five years. This is the greatest of all time we are talking about. So, yeah. yes, by definition, I don't think it is of an era. I think it is of all time, of by all definition. Oh, uh-huh. Matt just mentioned Dolly Parton. Oh, Dolly's, man, she's up there too. Yeah, you can have a debate, but, but I'm with you. Every time you see someone, oh, the goat. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, nice job at the American Music Awards or whatever. I don't know if that makes you the goat. But I mention that because... Patrick Mahomes and the GOAT are being mentioned in the same sentence a lot. And I will say this. He is certainly, I wouldn't say he's the GOAT. I would say if you're looking at the path forward, if you're looking at someone who's knocking on the GOAT door, it's Patrick Mahomes because he's done so much so early. And because a lot of times when you talk about players who are the greatest of all time or players who are iconic or who are, who are game changers, it's because of that very definition, right? They actually change the game because of how they play the game, the way they go about playing the game. And Patrick Mahomes is that guy. But where would you put him? Do you classify him differently if we're talking about storylines here, if he wins another ring? Well, yeah. Obviously, that's a point in his favor, right? You're not going to go against him because he won another Super Bowl. It's just, I think it is impossible to eulogize somebody's career until Mm -hmm. it's over. 
Because, right. you know, he still has a long time left, probably in the NFL, especially with the age that guys are playing quarterback until. So I think until it's over, mm-hmm. there is no point discussing it. And I'm sure it's going to be on first take or first argument or whatever, you know, for the rest of the week and after the Super Bowl, because they're not going to be talking about, you know, Troy basketball or, you know, midweek clashes between the Blazers and the Hornets. But still, I feel like this is an argument that is moot until his career is actually over. I agree. And also, you never know what's going to happen in someone's career. I mean, I, I hope Patrick Mahomes plays for another 10 years, but he could get injured. I mean, you, you, you never really know, and you see this all the time in any sport where a guy just is unbelievable. Like, let me think of someone off the top of my head. Grant Hill is a perfect example in the NBA. I'm not wishing this on Patrick Mahomes, but coming out of Duke, he was unbelievable, and people forget Grant Hill was an incredible basketball player. But then he suffered like an ankle injury and just could never get healthy, and it affected his legacy. We see this in sports all the time. You can go back to, oh my God, I don't want to come up with all these old references because medical science is so much better now. But especially in the past, you know, if you had an injury like an ACL in basketball or something, the technology wasn't nearly what it is now. So it could be a career ender. So I I don't think it's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes, but I'm saying you just never know the path forward for any of these players or what's going to happen. Maybe Andy Reid retires. He said yesterday it's not in the cards for him right now. He's not ready. But maybe in two years he says, okay, I am. And then Patrick Mahomes has a different coach to work with. There's just too many X factors for me to say, oh, right now this is definitely how his career is going to play out. It certainly could, but there's no guarantee. Well, and also you don't know how long he's going to play. Because doesn't that go into the conversation of why Tom Brady is currently the GOAT? Because he had such a long career. It wasn't just him being successful for five years. It was, you know, the better part of several decades. So I think that goes into the conversation as well. So we will see how effective Patrick Mahomes can be when Mm -hmm. he's 40. And if he wins another Super Bowl at age 40 or whatever Tom Brady was. And so it's going to be a few years. I feel like until we can actually have that conversation. Let's flip it now and talk about Brock Purdy and what a win would do for his reputation. Because even now you hear people all the time, no matter what, this is a guy who has made the NFC championship game and the Super Bowl in his only two years in the league. But there are people out there who refuse to give him any credit whatsoever and of course the argument is you put any decent quarterback in that offense with those weapons and that defense you're going to be successful I don't believe that but if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl with the Niners does that fight is that what he has to do to change this narrative to change this reputation for those who don't believe he's the right quarterback or don't believe he's a franchise quarterback I don't think so. I think people have their minds made up, and no matter what the Mm -hmm. outcome is of the Super Bowl, people are still going to point at the weapons around him and say, okay, well, he won a Super Bowl because of Christian McCaffrey, because of Debo Samuel, because Mm -hmm. of Brandon Ayuk. So I think if you have an opinion on Brock Purdy, it's pretty much set. And it's going to take a few years to kind of wash that narrative off of his chest that people are saying, well, it's the pieces around him. And I do agree to some extent. Like Brock Purdy's not in the GOAT category for me. Like, no. And I think that's not even not even a hot take. You know, he is not a game changer to the level of somebody like Patrick Mahomes. He is a very good quarterback, but we have seen teams like this win plenty of Super Bowls. Like think of Ben Roethlisberger. Where would you put him 
in debates. He's somebody who's winning a bunch of titles, or maybe not a bunch, but he was very mm-hmm. much in the mix for the Super Bowl several sure. times in his career. He was playing with a good team. You have to be a good quarterback to get to that level. But I feel like it's almost, I know it's not stylistically the same comp- uh, comparison, but do you get what I'm saying? Yes. No, no, absolutely. And I I also think that whenever, and you touched on it, it's, I'm telling you, it is it is hard to bust through narratives and hard to bust through what people think about you once they've made that decision. Like Andy Reid is a classic example. I think probably the best example because how how quickly we've forgotten that when he was in Philly, he was the guy who just, he just couldn't win at all. He just couldn't do it. You know, he just couldn't break through. He, he can get you so far, but he can't win the big one. And then he goes to the Chiefs and it went from, Oh, if Andy Reid gets a ring, now it looks like maybe he's a Hall of Fame. Maybe he's probably a Hall of Famer anyway, but definitely if he gets a ring. And now he's got two, and now it's, oh, Andy Reid, one of the greatest of all time. One of the greatest of all time. You're like, it's amazing how that switches so quickly. But we do see that, and sometimes that's what it takes is, is busting through and winning it all. And sometimes you have to do it multiple times before people finally give you credit. For Brock Purdy, I'm with you. He, I don't think it's going to change. He, Brock Purdy is someone who will have to change the preconceived notions about him, which I think is simply based on where he was drafted, and that will take place over time. I don't think it's going to take place over a couple seasons. I think 10 years from now, if Brock Purdy has played at a high level on multiple different iterations of the Niners, we'll say, oh, wow, he's been good this whole time. Yeah, I think it will take him playing without some of his superstars in mm-hmm. some of these games because we saw a stretch this year where some of his best weapons were injured and Brock Purdy did not look good. And I think right. the biggest injury that people don't talk about is Trent Williams on the offensive line. Trent Williams is one of the best offensive linemen mm-hmm. in the entire NFL. So when he goes down, it makes Brock Purdy's job a lot harder as opposed to, you know, if we're comparing quarterbacks, Look at all of the different teams that Patrick Mahomes has already played on. Like, he hasn't even played that long in the NFL, but, you know, the Super Bowl where he played against the Bucs and the offensive line was terrible. Yes, he looked very human in that game, but still, the fact that he got to a Super Bowl with that offensive line is damn impressive. Then there was the narrative, okay, Patrick Mahomes was only good because he had Tyreek Hill as a receiver who is absolutely a cheat code with his speed. Can he do it again even without Tyreek Hill as his receiver? And we've seen it. Patrick Mahomes keeps chugging along. So I think it'll take a similar path for people to kind of stray away from the narrative for Brock Purdy, what he is kind of lined up in now. And, you know, maybe he does it. And maybe we'll see, but for me, the argument right now is not that he is a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. You don't get to this stage without being a very good quarterback, but I do think there is a ceiling to it. Yeah, I do too. And I, the quarterbacks are not comparable here. So, so I'm with you. I don't think anyone would ever suggest for a second that Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy are in the same stratosphere. Few quarterbacks, if any quarterback is in the same stratosphere as Patrick Mahomes, But I also think at the same time, Brock Purdy is much better than he's given credit for. And I will say the one thing that I think speaks to me when you talk about the evaluation of a quarterback or the evaluation of any player is what his teammates say about him. Because ultimately, they're the ones who watch a guy prepare. 
They're the ones who watch how a guy goes about his business. They're the ones who see a guy interact in the locker room. They're the ones right there on the field going to battle with you. And when you listen to other Niners players on offense, defense, I think it was Nick Bosa who was asked about this a few weeks ago. And he said, it's ridiculous. Like, it's to us, it's laughable as a team. And I'm paraphrasing. But he was saying, the idea that this guy isn't a great quarterback is, like, it's tired to us. We know he is. And so, more than anything else, like, I'm just a dude talking on camera. But when I hear teammates saying, no, this is our guy, I think that really speaks to what they see day in and day out and is a better barometer. I agree with you, but on the same side of the coin, what are they going to do? Talk ill of him? Like, they're not going to do that. Like, from a mindset Mm -hmm. strategy, would you not try to pump up your quarterback who's playing on your team? So it doesn't make sense for them not to do this. Like, I get what you're saying because they're going out of their way to defend him. But, like, at the same point, I don't think it's necessarily, like, the best barometer. It's not the best barometer, but I think how you speak about someone can vary in degrees. Like you can give someone an endorsement and then you can really go to war for someone or really defend someone. So I think it's, I think it's not, of course, they're not going to say, yeah, he's okay. I mean, anybody could come in here and run this offense. I think it's more of right. the, the passion with which I've seen them defend him. Like, hey, they've really bought into this guy as opposed to, well, of course we're going to support him. He's our quarterback. He's done a great job leading us. I, I find less cliche in what I've heard and more honesty in saying we're kind of tired of people going after our guy. I think that's the differentiation I'm trying to make. Right, because there are some still, I guess, some people who I don't think watch a lot of football, you know, who say he's not a good quarterback. Because I think we can all agree he is an above-average quarterback. You do not get to this level without being an above-average quarterback. Um, But again, I do think he has limitations. And even if he wins a Super Bowl, um, I think the credit goes around him as well. It's similar to when Mac Jones won the Heisman, or Mac Jones looked like he was going to win the Heisman. And then guess what? He didn't because Devontae Smith did. Great receiver, (laughs) making him look good. Yeah, that's a good point. Coming next year on the show, Chelsea Profits, get your profits. We're going to continue talking about Super Bowl 58 and which rushing props have our attention. She is Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. This is the Daily Tip from BetQL. It is presented by our good friends at MGM. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Good morning. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. We are live across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East, Monday through Friday. If you're listening in Vegas, thanks for staying up late or waking up early with us. Coming up, which rushing prop bets will hit with the big game approaching on Sunday? Chelsea, have you eaten this morning? You always eat. I'm starving. I think I'm going to... 
I'm going to see if I can find a place to bring me wings at like 9 a.m. when we're off the air. I just got a craving for some wings. I barely ate yesterday because I was so busy working. And then I barely ate before I went to bed. And I woke up and I thought, I could just go for a massive plate of wings. I don't know if I can find a place that will serve them at 9 a.m. But I bet you have already had some health bars, maybe some protein-infused coffee, some water. You've probably done some crunches, some push-ups, and you're set for the day. You make it sound like it's weird to eat. Like, I've never had this problem. I have never had an issue of, oh, I forgot to eat today. It's never happened. Not once. So I would love to have your problem because I like to eat all the time. Yes, I had breakfast because I'm a normal person. Jenks, why do you not eat? I'm busy. I want some wangs. That's what Chris Mack and I would say. Wangs. Well, yesterday I, I got, I just got busy yesterday because I finished this show and I was like, I got to go straight to Commander's. And so I got to do this podcast and that's out in Ashburn. So that's almost an hour drive out there, 45 minutes. So then I get there and we had a delay. So I started working on the show. And then finally, once the delay was over, we got in the studio, we did the pod. I had to come right back home for some home improvement nonsense because there was a contractor waiting. So then I get here and then we're working on that. And I'm like, ah, I got to keep working on a show and then finish this up. So I can finally get some time to myself. And then I finished. I'm like, it's freaking 530. I've been going all day, just, just surviving on coffee. And then I get a text from the lovely cat. And she's like, I'm on my way home. Let's hang out before I go to work out. I'm like, all right. And so finally, I'm like, Michael, you should eat. And it was like 6 o'clock. This is what Double D is saying in the chat. He didn't eat until 6 p.m. yesterday. This was not my plan. I just, I just get going and I don't stop. And I, I guess I just need to carve out time. So it's not that I don't like to eat. I love to eat. It's just that when I get busy, I'm just kind of all over the place trying to multitask and get everything accomplished. God, this is not relatable at all to me. This is like those girls uh, that are like, I just can't gain weight. It's just so hard for me. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, like I get it. Some people are naturally skinny. I'm not one of them. So I just can't relate. Jenks, there are fast meals available. If you mm. want some sustenance and you're on the go, how many times have I said this? Protein shakes, protein bars, because <sighs> believe it or not, I'm busy sometimes too, but no I plan ahead. I pack a, a little lunch. <laughs> like I just, this is crazy to me. Like I never forget to eat like ever. Never happens. All. It happens to me on a regular basis. Like it's not intentional. Now I do. I will say I don't like to eat when I drink. So, because I, I don't like mixing the two. Like, I like a good, maybe a glass of wine with a steak or something like that, or you'll pair something with a fish of some sort. And then I'm like, okay, that's really nice. But on the whole, if I'm, you know, around the corner having an old fashioned or martini, I don't want to have any food while I'm doing that. So I have to, I just have to carve out time. I don't know why I've never been good at it, but it's not that I don't, I don't dislike eating. I think I'm just weird about it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, again, I am, I have zero grounds for relatability on this one. Like yeah. I never forget to eat. Never. It's never happened. Uh, so I, I feel for you, but again, there are fast options. Hell there is fast food. They have a whole genre of food that is dedicated to being busy. You can roll through McDonald's and get yourself. What do you like? McRibs? Get oh, you yeah. one of those. I'm, Better than I'm not eating. I'm definitely going to order something after this show. I'm going to treat myself to something, but just because it's been 
That's been a long 24 hours. But you know what? That's what happens during Super Bowl week, Chelsea. You just get on that grind. Speaking of the Super Bowl, I got to tell everyone about the BetMGM Big Game Prop Bet Challenge. It's BetMGM giving sportsbook customers the chance to win a grand prize of $58,000 in honor of Super Bowl 58. All you have to do is predict the most big game prop bet questions correctly out of all of the eligible users. You find the promotions tab on the BetMGM app or BetMGM.com. It's really easy to do. Submit your entry and you can win up to $58,000. You can do it right now while you're listening to our show. Chelsea, since we're talking about prop bets, let's talk rushing prop bets at BetMGM. So I, I am not a huge prop person, as we know. I think I have one prop bet I really like, but I'm going to defer to you here because you are certainly someone who is, I think, generally more invested in the prop market than I am. So what are some of the rushing props that you're into? Yeah, so let's start with our flow chart of how to handicap this game. You start with the matchups here. The Niners all season long have not been a run defense to go against. If you look at them overall, one of the worst run defenses to go against for opposing quarterbacks, giving up the second fewest fewest, uh, fantasy points to opposing running backs all season long. And even if you look at the yards per carry, they're giving up just 4.1 yards per carry. If you look at the Chiefs, they're pretty much middle of the pack against the run, which is why we continue to scratch our heads for why the Ravens didn't run the football or at least attempt to against this Chiefs run defense. Uh, So I feel like from that point, you say, okay, well, the matchup suggests that you go to the Niners, but this is where it gets tricky because it's usually built into the number some of these matchups. Christian McCaffrey, you are never getting a bargain on his rushing prop. It's 91 and a half. It's minus 115 for the over. Ugh, that feels terrible. Uh, uh, I feel like you look at his rushing attempts as opposed to that. Over 18 and a half feels like a solid look. I think they will try to establish the run on this one. The sabotage factor is if they get behind in this game. But still, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey is such a huge part of this offense that I feel like he is game uh, script proof it doesn't matter the game script for christian mccaffrey he's gonna get his touches so let's look Mm -hmm. at the 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 game logs for him he hit 20 last time against the lions that was a game where they were having to come from behind as well i had 17 against the packers so he didn't get it there he had 98 yards rushing uh and then only had 14 against the commanders but that game was not close i feel like this is the play 90 anywhere in that range feels a little high i feel like instead of taking that you would just take him maybe super bowl mvp if you think the niners could win this game because he's plus 450 still it's tricky because the numbers are just so high yeah i i get it and now they've all been i don't know if we'll see any increase in some of these numbers but i we might because i and this is another question i want to ask john ewing from betmgm who's going to join us during the eight o'clock hour but I, I think maybe as we get closer to game time, and this is just an assumption on my part, I think we'll see more and more money come in, right? Like that's when the public is really going to come in, right before the game, maybe a couple days before the game. And if that happens, then all of a sudden we're going to see some of these lines, particularly with popular players like a Christian McCaffrey or Travis Kelsey, whoever it is, Patrick Holmes, we'll see those numbers get less and less value because they will be popular plays. I will say the one rushing prop, I only have one that I really like. And it's Brock Purdy over 12 and a half mm. rushing yards at minus 135. So 
it's a little juicy, but I'm basing this on a couple things. First of all, I expect the Chiefs to dial up blitz after blitz after blitz after blitz. That's exactly what they did to Lamar Jackson. You know Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz and make Brock Purdy beat him under pressure. What does that mean? I think we see Brock Purdy in certain circumstances scramble out of the pocket. Plus, he has also hit this number in both playoff games. Rushed five times for 48 yards against the Lions. Rushed six times, 14 yards against the Packers the week before that. And again, it is the Super Bowl, right? So you don't leave anything on the table. If you need that extra yard, you get that extra yard. Juice to the over for a reason. So that is my one rushing prop that I really like. Yeah, like that one as well. I think we were talking about that earlier in the week, just because mm-hmm. the number is so low. So from a prop standpoint, you look at either the matchup is really good or the number just feels too low because usually these numbers are based on season-long averages. Maybe they're, mm-hmm. you know, judged up a little bit by the recent splits. But still, like you said, the upside for Brock Purdy is massive in this one, especially when it's yeah. 12 and a half. He could get that in one run. In fact, I think he did that last game where he had that big run. I believe it was towards the end of the game where he ran for a first down. So somebody who is not given a lot of credit for being quote unquote athletic or a great runner, but still 12 and a half is a very low number. And this is the biggest game of his career. Do you think he's not going to, you know, take off running if he thinks he can get a first down with his legs? Absolutely. He's going to do that. So really like this one as well. Yeah, I think that's the one rushing prop I really like. And I will look at Christian McCaffrey as well, like you were talking about. But I kind of like his his yardage prop in the passing game a little bit better. And we talked about that yesterday. Is there anything else that interests you? What about a Patrick Mahomes rushing prop? We talk about both quarterbacks not being necessarily runners, but both being fleet of foot, right? Like both of these guys can use their feet in certain circumstances. Is there any other rushing prop on the board that interests you or any anything else at this point? It doesn't even have to be a rushing prop. Well, I mean, there's limited options when it comes to rushing props, just because, yeah. you know, there are only a set pool of players who can actually get this. I'm not going to be on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that yeah. feels like it has too much volatility. And everybody remembers the last time that the Niners and the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl. He had two straight kneel downs at the end of the game oh, that cost yeah. him negative yards, and that's how you lost your bet. So that one feels tough. I would say Isaiah Pacheco, 66.5 is the number, but again, the matchup is not good. The Niners have been great against the run all season long. That is a big sabotage factor, so you want all the factors pointing in the correct direction. That one has you know, opposing flags on each side. Maybe you take him for an anytime touchdown because, you know, that's, I guess, a rushing uh, prop if you look at anytime touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, never any value there. He's minus 225. But maybe Isaiah Pacheco. Let's see the number, minus 130. How about Isaiah Pacheco to punch it in? Oh, I think I like that a lot better. The McCaffrey, I mean, I feel like Christian McCaffrey will score, but also, God, I'm not laying that number. So Pacheco, I like much, much better if the Chiefs get in the red zone. Coming up next year on the show, Chelsea, Usher will perform at this year's Super Bowl. But if we had a choice, would we pick someone different? We're going to debate next on the Daily Tip for Make You Up, presented by BetMGM, the King of Sportsbooks. Hour two's next. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.